create the Fran Sydney. Hello everyone, welcome to the show, this is Franz Sydney speaking and we're on a special episode today. We are going to talk to Alex. Alex, how do I call your name? Alejandra, Alex? So it's Alejandria, but because it's a little bit difficult to pronounce, I go by Alex just to make it a lot easier. Mm-hmm. All right, that's perfect. So, and where are you based? I am in Arizona, USA. Right. Arizona to the UK, guys. This is a special video today with Alex, and we're going to talk about body dysmorphia. Yes. So, what happened is we're going to BDD. It's BDD, guys. You know what it is? When you think that your body or a part of your body looks absolutely wrong and out of place, and you have to do something about this, it's a kind of OCD. Yeah. And then, and you take extreme action because you are so worried about this. Now, we talked a little bit about this in one of my episodes a couple of months ago, and um, there is so much to talk about. So it's so good to go back and talk to somebody who is actually a survivor and went through and came out winner on the other end. And that's why I'm so pleased to have Alex with us so we can talk together about how you go into this and what's wrong with me? What, what about my nose? What about my hair? What is it? What, what, what's happening in the brain? So maybe we can spend the first 10 minutes when you introduce how this happened to you. Oh, absolutely. So as far as the cause of what happens, there's a lot of different causes that may happen to create body dysmorphia. But what it is, is a preoccupation with a certain body aspect. Now, the thing is that you might see somebody else that has what you deem as a flaw and they have no issues with it. But when you're experiencing body dysmorphia, you are preoccupied on that particular aspect of your appearance. And it becomes so um, ingrained and so such a focus that it takes up all of your time. So it's very closely related to OCD because people will start to do things like checking mirrors, they avoid mirrors, they um, do a lot of things like camouflaging to hide their appearance or wear a lot of makeup. Cosmetic surgery happens a lot with body dysmorphia where we're trying to fix an issue that we think it's only going to be fixed by changing our appearance, but it's a psychological attachment that we have to the appearance. A lot of times it could happen through bullying. It could happen through an experience. Um, You see it a lot with a little bit of trauma that happens with it. Um, So yeah, a lot of different aspects, but it takes up a lot of people's time and energy because they don't feel comfortable with their appearance. Yes, and I was reading that uh, there is a 43% inheritability. So you can actually have it passed from generation to generation from your genes, this tendency to focus so much on one aspect of the body that you don't like. So there is, there's a lot and there was, um, I don't know if you know of the Huberman lab, which is Andrew Huberman is a um, neuroscientist and ophthalmologist and he, he talks, he's got like a couple of million followers <laughs> on YouTube. He's, he's a scientist and he talks about many things about science and recently he talked about OCD mm-hmm. and because this is a type of OCD, he said that some of OCDs actually are caused, caused by um, some very specific type of misfiring of neurons in the brain because of setup. So biochemical imbalances for sure, 
And uh, yeah, he was talking about GABA and all sorts of supplements and things. So it was interesting to see the scientific, scientific point of view and see how many things we can have. Environmental, cultural, and trauma, emotional perception, the culture around us. I talked a lot about the influence of media on this, so we, we can talk about that. But what do people think about BDD that is actually not quite correct? So a lot of people assume that BDD is about vanity. They think that the person is preoccupied on their appearance because they want to look a certain way or they want to have be famous or be sought after. But in actuality, it's not just about vanity. Of course, we all want to look good. We all have those days where we wake up and we're just like not feeling our best and we look at our flaws or what we want to fix. But if that fixation turns into hours of getting ready, into taking up your time, then that's where the issue is. Unfortunately, with social media and you have all these filters, um, ads agencies, when you think about the fact that you are seeing um, ads where you're selling a hamburger and you have to have this female that has this body that it's almost unattainable for a lot of people, you know, and so it becomes a circular because you think that this is the way we're supposed to look. In social media, with the filters, we have this conception that this is what people um, are supposed to look like, but not even those people look like that, you know? And no. so it can yeah, be quite unless, an issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even so, if it do look like that, other than stunning individuals, uh, most of them had so much surgery or they did so much exercise and deformities are created through surgery nowadays. So you look very different and also the arts don't help because i'm in many forms for illustration when you see this anime manga thing and all the japanese things they they show these women they look like 10 year olds 12 year olds mm-hmm. with these enormous endowments and um, and you think oh i have to look like that to be to be nice and you see women always very much like object they have to look like a young girl but they have to look very sexy so mm-hmm. they have to be very thin here very wide there and then thin here so it's like an hourglass and normal people don't look like that so it makes you feel like oh i can never be as this unattainable figure that actually doesn't exist at all it's you know it was just an illustration that now people are thinking is actually we can't be a barbie can we Uh, Mm -hmm. but uh, the important thing is that you actually have been through this so you were a first person in witness to feel how it feels and, and to get out of it. So I wanted to see how did this start with you? You must have been quite young because you're very young now. So <laughs> Thank you. I'm 43. But yes, I actually started to develop. <laughs> um, it's, it's the lighting. Um, I actually started to develop symptoms of body dysmorphia as an early teenager. I was mortified. And when I say mortified, I mean mortified of being overweight. So what I started to do is to restrict my diet to a degree that was actually not healthy. And I was working out two and a half hours a day at times. There was this one particular, I was waitressing when I was in my early teens and I worked a 12 hour shift. And after I was so tired and it was on a Sunday, so super busy. And when I got home, I was exhausted. I went to bed. I could not sleep because in my mind, I was like, well, you didn't work out because to me, working out is getting on a bicycle and, you know, doing weightlifting or anything. So I got up 
from bed so that I could work out because it was that much ingrained in my mind, right? And so you actually develop a lot of those cycles. You're doing everything you possibly can to have the physique that you want. You actually also see this a lot with men in um, bodybuilding. So we have muscle dysmorphia, which is like a subcategory of, yeah, of body dysmorphia. And unfortunately, these men are very built, but they don't see themselves as built. They see themselves very thin. So you actually see a lot of movie stars and a lot of bodybuilders that are abusing their body and using steroids or other things that can cause more harm. And they're not even happy with the way that they look. They don't mm. see, we don't see what, you know, everybody else is seeing. So it can be a vicious cycle. Um, and in my early 20s, I had deep depression and I had a lot of issues that happened. And so I did. Um, I went from working out fanatically to I'm not working out because I'm deep depression. So I gained weight. And that's when my body dysmorphia just poof really took off because now I'm being triggered about my appearance. Now, this is when I started to camouflage my appearance. This is, I had two cosmetic surgeries, weight loss surgery and another cosmetic surgery just to try to fix and feel comfortable with my appearance. Um, went to therapy to help, you know, to get help with the issues that I was struggling with. But in my mind, I never thought that you can fix body dysmorphia by treating it in therapy because I was like, it's about appearance. If I'm going to feel confident and comfortable in myself, I have to fix my appearance, right? And so what I found out that it's not the case because even after I had my weight loss surgery and I lost 60 plus pounds, I felt better. I couldn't even see the differences. There were times in the mirror where I would pass by a mirror where I wasn't expecting there to be a mirror and I wouldn't recognize myself. Like, literally would not recognize myself. <laughs> they do say in the literature that is, uh, you know, even when people have surgery, they don't really see, you know, they may even have damage themselves. It was extreme surgery sometimes, but they can't see an improvement. Mm -hmm. And that's the unfortunate part of it. This is why you get a lot of um, people that just overdo cosmetic surgery because they're trying to fix this, what they deem as a flaw and they can't get it right because in their mind they're still holding on to that emotional attachment so you do see a lot of that um so i never thought that we would be able to fix this with therapy and i was able to when i found conversational hypnotherapy which is amazing because i can tell you that even in my early 20s when i was um, teens when i was at my most fit when i had the body that i thought i needed to have I still felt um, uncomfortable about going out. I still felt self-conscious. I still felt that people were judging me. I still felt not good enough. There's this yeah. one picture. Yeah, there's this one picture that I have where I look so skinny and I thought I looked overweight. And now I look back and I'm just like, what was I thinking? And it's because of that dysmorphia that you don't see it. After mm. treating it, detaching that emotional attachment to my appearance and healing a lot of, because I did get bullied over my appearance uh, when I gained weight. I literally would have people come up to me and say, what is wrong with you? Why did you gain weight? Um, thanks. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, 
Yeah, and so the diplomacy, only... guys, diplomacy here. <laughs> right. Um, it doesn't seem to be though, and that's the thing, because it's so normalized for us to comment on people's appearance. You know, you see a family member. How many times does it happen when you see a family member and they first thing they comment is their looks? And that's very normalized. But the problem is that if you are struggling with body image issues, that can be quite triggering. So somebody that has, you know, same weight issues, you know, and they feel very uncomfortable about it. If the very first comment that comes out of somebody you haven't seen in a while or just somebody that you're seeing is their weight is just going to trigger that out. So, yeah. And so this is the uncomfortable part about it. It's become normalized to comment about people's appearance, but it shouldn't be. And um, yeah. Yeah. So you were talking about how conversational hypnotherapy was playing a very important role in your recovery. So what are the techniques, what are the exercises that you use with your practitioner? What, what happened? Tell us all. We're very yes, absolutely. So the one thing, like I said, I went to therapy for many years to um, basically heal a lot of the issues that one caused my body dysmorphia, but also other issues in my life. And so with hypnotherapy, especially conversational hypnotherapy, which is what I practice now, we're able to get to the root issues of what created it in the first place. Why was it attached and then able to heal from it? I also practice a lot of grounding techniques when if I feel that my mind is spinning where I start thinking about a negative thought, negative thoughts say about my appearance, um, I try to calm down, do a lot of breathing exercises to reset the mind and the body so that I'm not giving in to the cycles. Because unfortunately what happens is that our subconscious mind creates um, an emotional attachment. So you get used to those attachments, whether they're healthy or not. This is why we have addictions. You know, somebody that picks up a cigarette is not thinking, this is the best thing for me. This is going to make me healthy. No, they're stuck in that cycle because of the addiction, right? And so with body dysmorphia, what I've come to find out for myself and for my clients is that it's that emotional attachment. Once you release that, you're able to walk away. And it's not one of those things like, uh, what was the one movie with um, Jack Black um, and Gwyneth Paltrow where Tony Robbins um, does the hypnosis and tells them like, you know, you're only going to see the heart and you're not going to see, you know, what's at the outside. And so he sees Gwyneth Paltrow completely different. Do you remember this movie I'm talking about? No, because I'm terrible with movies, movie titles oh. and everything, but I, I get it. Yeah, you want okay. to see what, yeah. Yeah, so within this movie, Tony Robbins tells Jack Black, like, hey, um, you're going to see the beauty of the inside. So that what he's seeing outside is very different. It doesn't work that way. With hypnotherapy, there's nothing that I can do to change my appearance or the uh, perception of other people. It's about how you feel with yourself. So what I'm trying to say with all of that is that I still see my flaws. I still see the things that I don't like, but before it was keeping me in a negative state, feeling bad about myself, where now it's just like, okay, if I decide to work on that aspect, I can but it's no longer keeping me there. It's no longer making me feel like I am less of a person or deserve less because I don't have this body that, you know, in society we should be having or that flat stomach or, you know, no wrinkles. It's just, I'm 
getting older and you know things happen in our body so i'm grateful for my body now not yes. resentful so that's great so conversational hypnosis so that means you are not going into a trance you're not with closed eyes but you're talking to a practitioner and they're firing the correct questions to make you go into this unconscious moment and slowly the truth emerges in you and you realize so let's say that i have a friend and this friend has the problem of bdd how do i support this person knowing what i know about it mm -hmm. so the best way to support and one of the things that we like to do is okay so you have a friend that has the issue with body dysmorphia one of the symptoms or one of the characteristics is that they may uh, want validation so this is when they start asking, how do I look? Do I look fine? Is my clothes okay? Is my weight okay? That validation is keeping them in a cycle. And if you validate, no, you look fine, you're saying to their subconscious mind is, you think there is an issue, there probably is an issue, and you're kind of giving into that. So the best thing to do is recognize their feelings because their emotions and what they're feeling are real. What they're experiencing is real. So if somebody comes to you and says, hey, I'm not feeling well about my appearance, so I'm feeling subconscious, is I understand that you're struggling right now. How can I best support your emotions, not so much their appearance? Because if we just validate their appearance, we're giving into the BDD because it's just looking for that validation. Hmm, never thought about this validation point. You know, that makes actually a lot of sense. So if I were on my own at home and I was listening to you and say, yeah, I got it, but I really don't have time to go and see a therapist. I don't have any money. Is there any way that a person could start tackling that on their own? Absolutely. So one of the things is when you catch yourself in that cycle. So say you're cleaning the house and out of nowhere you have that feeling or that thought comes in that, you know, you feel negative about your appearance. Try to separate yourself from continuing the cycle. So first thing to do is for me is to, again, do breathing exercises to reset, to get out of that cycle. Change what you're doing at the moment. Don't give in to the cycle. So a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll start looking at procedures. You know, they'll start looking at what can I do to fix this? Don't give in to that. Um, the next thing to do is see what happened right before those thoughts came through because that's a trigger. So something that happened right before is what's triggering them. So kind of keep in mind of that. If it was they're on social media and they're following what this person, you know, the mm. perfect body that they want to have. And so they're getting inspired and we do this a lot, you know, it's like, get inspiration and that's a good thing it's just how far do we take it right and so with if you get um, triggered by looking at those photos then kind of stop doing those things you know kind of take a step back and don't allow those triggers if it was a comment that somebody said to you but you know something about your appearance that triggered those negative feelings and thoughts then address it you know set boundaries you know it is okay to tell a family member, a friend, or you know, someone you're close to, if they're constantly making comments about your appearance, to say, hey, my body is not a topic of conversation. You know, that keep your, you know, your mind safe, your emotions safe. 
So mm-hmm. look for those triggers, um, reset the body by doing exercises, you know, um, breathing exercises or meditation, and then divert the, you know, the thoughts by doing something that you enjoy that has nothing to do with the trigger or what you feel unconscious about. I get it. So this diversion is very important. So instead of focusing on the problem, mm-hmm. you get your attention to something else because our mind cannot really focus on two things at the same time because it's impossible. We can only do a bit of this, a bit of that. But if we just change a topic, and I keep hitting this, <laughs> uh, then the mind cannot remember. And eventually we are breaking those circuits that are very strong because we are repeating something else. And I think you're, you're quite right. You reminded me a little bit about this trigger because I remember um, I studied a little bit about smoking and nicotine addiction, etc. Because I, I treated quite a few people who um, wanted to stop smoking. And one of the things that they tell you is don't wait until you desire a cigarette. You have to look for the trigger and anticipate the trigger. Mm-hmm. No, I just had a long day at work and I'm very stressed. I'm going to get home. The first thing I'm going to do is get a cigarette or get a drink so it works with everything doesn't it get a coke or get a cake it's this automatic thing we're trying to soothe an uncomfortable feeling mm-hmm. so if we identify the trigger and we say okay what can i do when i am about to be in that situation mm-hmm. and that gives you the power in knowing okay when i feel like this i can do that and you reach literally going to rewire your brain because you're now giving an a third option instead of always falling into the thing you know obviously if you keep walking in the mud in the same direction all the time in your garden and i know because it's been raining a lot here you're gonna have like like a ditch inside you're gonna be walking mm-hmm. on this and then it's just gonna be easy to if you throw a ball it's gonna go there because mm-hmm. the path is made isn't it yes. and so the brain very roughly with all these neurons and synapses and this space between neurons it works like that so the more we repeat this trail of thoughts that every time we have this <clears throat> situation we trigger mm-hmm. we do these actions so the x the x not the x the x trigger gets to do this action and every time then we have a sense of guilt and then maybe we do it again because we feel guilty so we have to think that's the trigger what is the action that we're going to do instead of x what can we do so we change that yes. and the brain goes like hey what's going on here <laughs> well not only that it's it's also saying what's going on here but it's also waiting for that emotional dopamine because at the end of the day whether it's a positive emotion or a negative emotion it's expecting that emotion so when mm-hmm. you have a negative trigger even if it doesn't feel good you're still releasing dopamine. You're still releasing those um, chemicals that your body's gotten used to. So it mm-hmm. says it is 5.30 in the afternoon. About this time we get on the car and we start feeling stressed out because of traffic. And oh my God, was it a long day. So you start going into those automatic responses and the emotion of it was a long day and you know the traffic and what you're used to just continues to pile on. And by the time you realize you're just doing things and feeling things that you are not needing to or wanting to. It just becomes mm. automatic. It is automatic. And that's the subconscious mind, this 
you know, mm-hmm. the sum of all the actions that we do without even thinking because it's automatic. I get home, I close the door, lock the car, throw the keys. It's automatic. We don't even think. I drive to a place in my grocery store. The car gets me there. I don't even know how I got there. It's automatic. The, the mind takes care of it because the brain wants to be efficient and fast and that's what is easier. So we, this is all about you can see something and you think is wrong. You don't see in the mirror what you actually see. Mm-hmm. And I, I treated one lady with body dysphoria during my RTT training years ago and um, a German lady and she did not own a mirror mm-hmm. because she could not look at herself but she bought one after my session. <laughs> she bought it. She yeah. never looked. Yeah. And this started years before when her dad gave her a Barbie and she was like 14. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then he gave her, I think, a, a pair of jeans as a gift from a trip. And the pair of jeans were like three sizes smaller than mm. she is. And she started to detach, literally, herself from the person that she was and thinking, well, that's not me, that's not me. And eventually, she couldn't look at her body. She, it was a bundle of nerves. And uh, I don't know what happened, because I lost track after all these years, mm-hmm. as it happens, right? But um, this is so widespread, this negative perception of who we are and what we look like. So... In our community, there's a widespread hate for our body. We all want a different body. I don't know why everybody wants to be somebody else. If we are fat, we want to be thin. If we are thin, we want to be fat. If we are masculine, we want to be fat. If we are flat, we just not happy. If you have red hair, you want black hair. So is there something that we could do to promote a more positive view of a body we were given when we were born? Um, from what I experience and then with clients, what I feel that we can do to promote that is to be present and to not hide back and, you know, appreciate ourselves and our bodies. I think that if we show up, you know, as who we are, it's going to start to change that. And I've actually started to notice this a lot in TV shows. I don't know if you remember, like, TV shows from, like, the 1990s, the 2000s, you have these high school filled with, like, perfectly looking high school students, you know, like, their bodies were perfect, their face were perfect, and you just, that's all you saw, that's what you think it's, right? And so, you, yeah, oh my god, yeah, so you don't... Yes. So you don't feel that you can relate or that you can measure up. I love the fact that nowadays I am noticing in movies and in TV shows that they're doing more exclusivity where it's like different body shapes. You know, like the love interest in the main movie, it doesn't have to have this perfect body, perfect hair. She looks just like anybody else because we're all deserving to be the main character, you know, in our own movie and in movies and show up. So I am noticing that change. As far as for ourselves, I think like in social media, show your true self in order to feel comfortable with who you are without hiding behind filters. I don't think that filters are the cause of body dysmorphia, but if it's affecting you, where you take a picture with a filter and you start to feel better with the filter, what's gonna happen is that in real life, you're gonna feel very uncomfortable with yourself. I don't know if you know this, but like a few years ago when Snapchat came, you know, huge, people were going into get surgeries to look like their Snapchat filters, like getting their eyes bigger, their noses changed, they wanted to do all of these changes because they wanted to look like the filter. So 
yeah so come to you know be yourself show yourself authentically and this way you can appreciate yourself for who you are and i think that's where we're going to start making those changes yeah mm -hmm. thanks i mean alex you know i was reading before about bdd in wikipedia and uh, i thought maybe there's something i don't know about this and they were saying one psychiatrist was talking about the TikTok BDD because it came from TikTok. People wanted to look like. So there is something there about maybe the fact that we might be included to social media, especially ladies, for far too long and looking at these photographs and thinking, you know, and you're seeing dating sites or in singles group. Some people say, hello, here I am, I'm Jenny, I'm from Arizona. And you look at the picture, you can't even tell what she looks like because a huge amount of filters and makeup and, and they're like, Jenny, when a guy texts you and wants to go out with you and he sees that filter, she he thinks that's a person. But when you're going to meet in person, there is a huge difference. And you want this guy to fall in love with your real face. Mm -hmm. And so we're not doing a favor to ourselves if we try to change it because i don't think that anybody could actually fall in love with a person that looks like uh, the simpson or, <laughs> or barbie <laughs> we right. want a person because we have a personality and education interest we have a sense of humor we are kind it's not about uh, the skin is perfect or the hair is blonde um, and yet that's what we see in the media so maybe mm -hmm. my point of view guys is that we should push the media so they stop showing us and you know what they say we should take off messages of misinformation well why don't we take off take down all these pictures when they show women in atrocious looks and attires and things with everything out they shouldn't be there and with these faces they've been completely deformed you know think about the cool madonna who was a, a the most beautiful girl 30 years ago but now so much disfigurement just accept yourself that you're gonna have to be old and some parts of your body won't be the same you know be gentle with the surgery but they think that they have to look like something mm -hmm. and our society is pushing women so we are not allowed to age mm -hmm. we can't age we're not allowed because yeah, yeah this is very common and it shouldn't be i am seeing the changes you know little by little and i think it's more as we bring out awareness of like how badly this affects not just us but people overall and how that image can really distort i mean there are people that don't want to leave the house you know i had a client recently that she did not want to leave the house she did not want to take pictures um, and it's very unfortunate because she's missing out on life. She's missing out on experiences over what somebody else might think about her appearance. And that is so unfair. You know, that is so unfair. So yeah. it's bringing up the awareness, working on ourselves and, you know, being really aware. Do we want that change? Do we really want to stop feeling this way? And if so, what can we do about it? Yeah. You know, just a couple of days ago, I had a consultation with a lady very young not even 30 and um anxiety panic attacks all started young lots of episodes of things you know family but one of the thing was when this person went to um, do radio work television work 
she was told, oh, you need fillers, you need this, you need Botox, you need this and that. I can tell you, I saw mm. her. She's like absolutely stunning. Mm-hmm. Stunning. She got this perfect face with the lovely dimples. She was told, oh, you have to lose weight, you have to lose the agent shredder. And then her panic attacks really went. And now she's on psychiatric um, medications of all sorts. I can't think of a word. And she hasn't been out of her house for years now because you know, the oh, lockdown no. and everything. Because she she cannot be left alone two minutes now. Mm. And uh, this is what we're doing to people when we make comments about their body mm-hmm. and rude comments as well. We're not talking about health. Maybe you are talking to your daughter. Maybe your daughter is morbidly obese and you say, well, how about we walk, walk in the park so we can shed a little bit of this weight? Okay, but going to somebody and really tell them, you know, they are perfect absolutely perfect and you tell me to lose weight i mean i read so much about anorexia mm-hmm. and bulimia and so many people who you would never believe but they suffer from it because the society is telling them they have to be thin mm-hmm. and thin and there's nothing wrong with being slender if you are i'm naturally slender so yay but sometimes it's not your normal body shape sometimes you are more robust and you just find it really really difficult to shed this weight and you can't be this ideal what but what is ideal you know and that's something that probably cross your mind so let, let's pretend that you go back from 40 years old back to when you were 20 mm-hmm. 13 you know so much now and you can talk to yourself you know as we do in an uh, rtt we talk to the inner child what would you say to the young Alex to take her off this grasp of BDD? I would say it's not that important. I spent too many years, too many years worried about how I looked. I spent too many years um, not doing things that I wanted to do. I didn't do, I didn't go on vacations a few times. I didn't go to a wedding because I felt ashamed about my weight. I missed out on so many experiences. And I thought that it was this huge mountain that I had to get over just to be happy. And at the end of the day, it's not important. You know, what's important is that you're happy with yourself. What's important is that you're healthy, you know, because there's this stereotype that in order to be healthy, you have to meet all these criteria, but what fits one person doesn't fit the other. Do you know what I mean? So even if a person um, is overweight, it doesn't mean that they're unhealthy. Their body chemistry could be just fine. Their body could be functioning just fine. But if it's that triggering that you have to look a certain way then that's where that issue is stay mm-hmm. focused in your health stay focused in your balance and not let it take over the way that I allowed it to take over and it was not on purpose it's just what I thought I needed to do so my advice to myself is it's not that important like don't mm-hmm. don't worry about it it's just it really isn't you know it's like why for somebody else i'm gonna like stop doing things just so somebody else can say yeah you look good or you look pretty um no <laughs> yeah you know what you reminded me uh, i shouldn't tell the story because it's long but yeah there was this um i think it was like one of these fake stories where 
like let's say a Leonardo Michelangelo type of very good sculpture one day said okay guys I'm, I'm, I'm making a sculpture of a, like a David of Michelangelo yeah very beautiful guy so I'm doing the sculpture here I'm working with a chisel and scalpel and you guys the public you tell me what should I do to make this look beautiful so they said make this like that change your neck piece change your... and eventually when the thing was finished it looked like a monster <laughs> It was interesting because to please them, he created something that was not really beautiful. And I think we all can be the David of uh, Michelangelo or Donatello Vera too. And um, we can all be our own beauty uh, or our own beautiful um, sculpture, right? We can be beautiful because we have a beautiful soul inside and our joy of living and whatever. And I always find out after a few minutes of talking to people, I cannot even remember what we look like. Mm-hmm. All I remember is the words they say and how I felt when I was in their presence. So it is important to remember this. So just drop those medias over time. Just stop looking over time. And if you have to take an hour to get ready, an hour to put things on your face to do something, think about who are you doing this for? Mm-hmm. Who are you doing this for? Because maybe a lot of people won't even know this, all this. And they, they would rather see you as you are pretty much. You know, I know. We all want to look good. That's fine. I wouldn't come here with a hair all here. That's fine. But there's the limit when we have to say, well, maybe I'm doing too much. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I want to. Is that why you got into working with body dysmorphia? Is it because you you were and then you say, right, I, yes. I want to help people? Yeah, no, so absolutely. So I first started doing hypnotherapy because I wanted to help um, a lot of different yeah. aspects. But when mm. it actually helped me cure my body dysmorphia, it was like, whoa, I had no idea that this was possible. And because of the way that I struggled and what I went through in my life, I want to help other people, you know, experience the same type of, you know, life, you know, where you don't have to live, like you said, keep walking around and creating this you know, road that that's the only road you're on, you know, you can remove yourself from that and live and have a different experience. So it definitely inspired me. This is literally why I do what I do because I want to help people um, because I know what it feels like and it's, it's not fun. (laughs) It really isn't. Yeah. There is this huge difference, isn't it? And I want to finish with this and, and think about this aspect. We always think that the solution of our problems is outside Mm-hmm. So if I just have black hair instead of gray hair, if I have a bigger endowment, if my muscles are bigger, if I were taller, thinner, if I had something different in my body, if I cut off something because, you know, too big, too small, it's not there, shouldn't be there. I hate this part of my body. We think that when we do that, we're going to be different, even not new nose or whatever. But in the end, after the surgery happens and we change all these things, the mind is still there with the exact same problems as before. Mm-hmm. And we might find something else, which I think happens with a lot of people that have surgery after surgery after surgery after surgery, and they can't stop because yeah. they're never happy. Like this guy, they like tattoos. I mean, nothing against tattoos. I don't really care, but not my type of stuff, and I don't like pain. But he started with one, and in the end, the whole body was covered. Mm-hmm. And then he started to cut off his tongue. Then he t- cut off his nose. Then he's got horns. And I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I, I do know this person. Yeah, yeah. and you, he looks like a, a terrible monster. You know, you you will have a heart attack if you see him. And I was like, when are you going to stop? 
and and possibly this could be a, a case of dysmorphia when you can't really tell anymore and if you look at him before he was a really good looking guy mm-hmm. <laughs> really good looking and so i think it's like a widespread thing you want to look like somebody else the grass is always greener and i can say this i mean that it's, it's green it's raining it's always greener somewhere else we think if we look different it's going to be different no mm-hmm. it's and really like, not yeah no and please do know that like i am not at all against plastic surgery or you know working on yourself none of those things it's about how far you take it you know if somebody Mm -hmm. wants to fix a certain aspect and then the surgery fixed it they feel comfortable they move on with their life it's job but if it's okay i changed it but i'm still not happy with it then that's where it creates the issue like you're saying and then you just go into the cycle of i need more i need to change more i need to do all the things that we do to try to fix it and have that need met and then in the end people are gonna like us for the body for the surgeries but we want people to like us because we have a witty conversation and we're nice people and 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 so yeah it's really about not feeling ever enough isn't Mm -hmm. it it truly truly is and that's the part that i try to like convey to my clients that you know i remember when i was younger and of course we always have these movie stars or these people that you might even know in real life that you're like this is the type of body that i would love to have you strive for that and so even then and even now when i would look at somebody it wasn't that i wanted that body i just didn't want to care I remember looking at people that had my body style and that didn't care where it was just like they're walking into bars into situ- social situations and they don't have that hold I wanted that because even if you have the body but you still have those thoughts you're still imprisoned and so yeah and so what I wanted is let me liberate myself from that so no matter what it looked like I'm happy with myself, not I look perfect, like, you know, the supermodel or whatever I felt that I needed to look like, but I'm still trapped in those feelings. So, yeah. I wonder if Michael Jackson had that. Could. Um, It seemed to definitely be with the skin. Um, I I don't know. know. He wanted to be white. He wanted to have a small nose. He was such a cute guy and he kept having surgery after surgery. And I was like, why? What is the push mm-hmm. that made him want to be different? Well, he was so unique mm-hmm. and so beautiful. And who knows how many very big celebrities that we have that are continuously changing everything. And maybe because we are becoming familiar, everyone goes to the cosmetic surgeon. And, and as you said, you know, one thing is okay, but if you start being under the knife, and under, every time you go and have a general anesthetic, you are risking your life more and more because the more anesthetic you have, the more you risk to have a heart attack and die on the operation, operating table. Mm. So it is quite dangerous as well to keep going under the knife for reasons that are not quite quite good. So I'm very concerned. But so I'm, I'm so thankful that you came over, Alex, to Thank talk you. about this very, very important topic because, you know, we all want to look good. There is no doubt. And if there is surgery on the line for some people, let's let's have a surgery. That's fine. But when it's taken to the extreme, you spend the entire day just worrying about your looks, not even think you're not good enough. Then there is a time to draw the line and say, well, maybe I need to have some conversational hypnosis or 
NLP or whatever therapy, RTT. So please, people, um, people, <laughs> everyone, if you have any questions and you want to maybe talk to us, me or Alex, you know where to find us. There are links, there are websites, and you can send us a message. Where, where can we find you to find out about treatment for this BPD? Yes, absolutely. So I do have my own website. I'll definitely um, send the link. I'm on Facebook. I'm on TikTok. I'm on um, Instagram. Uh, just putting that information. I share a lot of information on how to cope with the symptoms and also um, share awareness that this is something that you can relieve and release from, that it doesn't have to be making the physical changes. Um, so yeah, if you're more than welcome or if you have any questions, want to work one-on-one, uh, we can definitely schedule a free consultation. Fantastic. And we're going to put all the links below when we... I probably I can say that look below for the links because this is on video today. So, but for those who've been listening to the podcast, look below the description under the hashtag and there will be all the links. So thank you so much for being with us, Alex. And thank you, um, thank you everyone for listening to us. This has been a 49 minute long episode. That's quite long for me, but it was worth it. And I hope that um, you would like to share these episodes and maybe write a review or subscribe to our channels so that we can raise more awareness of all the things that we can do to help to create the life that we really want, which has got nothing to do with having lots and lots of surgery and a lot more about discovering the inner health and, and balance. So thank you everyone and take care. Bye bye. You've listened to Create with Fran Sydney.